Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com. And listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks made out of bamboo. Now let's get into our weekend recap brought to you by Beauty Status. And like I said last week, guys, Beauty Status has... Those head covers for your uh, driver, and they've got poles now for the golf course, as well as all the other stuff they've got, um, you know, stickers and flags for the man cave. Just very authentic stuff. Um, they do a genuine job there with the uh, Minnesota brand and in hockey all around. Ols, what did you get up to on the weekend? Yeah, I had a really nice lazy weekend, actually. Uh, sent the gal down. Her and her mom went down to see her sister's uh, new baby. So I had the house to myself, and I kicked the feet up and watched a bunch of football. I watched the uh, uh, Dahmer series on Netflix. Extremely screwed up. I suggest you do not watch it. It was wild. Also, I do, I do want to cut in for a second. I've been suggested the show a little bit and I'm not one to watch serial killer shows because I don't understand why people watch them because whenever I watch them, I just, I feel sad and then I get scared and it's like, why do I want to feel sad and scared after I watch yeah. some damn TV show? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I keep, I mean, it's, it is good. And I think it's just like, he was kind of the first like really fucked up serial killer that like we knew of. And his whole story and his upbringing. And you you ask, like, why would I want to watch this show? Dude, this guy had, like, fans that were mailing him and stuff when he was in jail. It's just, it's screwed up. But How did he have fans? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It's it screwed up. I Jesus. Yeah. I don't like you. Let's move on. I don't like hearing that. Yeah, that's that's fine. So obviously I was, you know, had a nice little relaxing weekend, but that was about it. Nothing too special. Oh, um, I wanted to mention there is another Travis Larson incident. Uh, I know I saw. Of, oh, my God. A, lo Holy a lot of people think this story is fake and then I make these things up. But Shelby and I are looking at venues. And sure enough, one of the people emailed back. Hi, Shelby and Travis Larson. Boom. <laughs> Right like that. My name was my name was on the original email, Trevor Olson, Tre Shelby Williams, and Trevor Olson. And the the person responded, Travis Larson. I I can't Olson. make it. Okay, so Olson, I got to step in here and and give you a little rundown of what I just dealt with today. I get an email from a girl named Kimberly. She works for our, our insurance insurance agency, and I had emailed her first with all my name, everything on there. You know, Gage is on there four times. And she emails me back, hi, Greg. Thanks for the question. I'd be happy to answer answer my question. So I, I respond, thank you so much for responding. Okay, this and that. And have a great day, Christina. 
Signed. <laughs> so, I, I can't wait for a reply email. <laughs> She's going to be like, oh my gosh, he purposely trolled me. Dude, it's it's hilarious when you call people out on it because they're like, oh, I meant, I meant no disrespect. Like, oh, I find it hilarious that people just, like, I'll scroll down, I'll, at work, I'll scroll down and make sure I'm spelling the person's name right that I'm emailing. Like, how, do you not, how do you, how do you not? not? How do you not pay attention? To, I mean, how can you send an email to someone and just, you know, in the email that I sent them, my name's there four times. How do you call me Greg after? I mean, did you read anything I said? <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. My first day at my job right now, I sent my boss like a little like bio, like kind of describing who I was. And he like sent it out to our whole team. The first reply back is the CFO and he called me Jake. So like, yes. everyone on the I email replied as Jake. So like for the first <laughs> month, I was known as Jake. <laughs> Just um, don't say anything. You're known as Jake the rest of your career. <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, I was just going to go with it. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Mason Mason invites them all to his future wedding, and they're all like, Jake, congrats. And they're like, holy <laughs> shit, his name's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Well, uh, Mace, what did you get up to on the weekend? So, uh, Friday, me and some buddies went over to the Loop in West End, and then, or not West End, in North Loop, and then hit Basement Bar after. That was a pretty good time. Love that establishment. Basement Bar is elite. Great choice. That was only my second time being there, so I hadn't really experienced it before, so it was was a new experience. But uh, Saturday, hit the Twins game. That was fun. But then Sunday... Went to the Vikings game, my first ever regular season Vikings game, and that was fucking electric, dude. Holy shit. What a great game to go to down 14 Cobb, too. I don't think I've ever heard something as fucking loud as U.S. Bank Stadium. Holy shit. When that interception was caught, the whole fucking building just exploded. That's so sweet. I love it. Oh, Oh, that's, that's when you realize the NFL production is absolutely insanity. And yeah. weird, you know, you look at the NFL, every team, you know, I know there's good teams and there's bad teams, but even if you have one of the bad teams, you're somehow convinced we might have a chance this year because they're so close. It's like G- the the Jaguars just beat – who did they beat this? Uh, the Chargers. Just, the Chargers. And the Chargers are a good team. The, the Chiefs lose to the, the Colts who are 0-2. It's just – it's nuts. I picked, uh, I picked that in my week. My pickums. No Did pick-ums. you pick the Colts? Yep. Love that. Great choice. Big choice. So yeah, I mean, Mace, I'm I'm jealous of your weekend. That's awesome. I had a pretty chill weekend as well. I actually went golfing Saturday and Sunday. Um, so I played at the Meadows, Prior Lake, Mystic Lake. Uh, it's Friday, and then Sunday, my dad actually drove to town, and we played Stone Ridge out in Stillwater. Unbelievable. Great Unbelievable. Great so. We're in this group chat, and this my dad calls his buddy from college, his best buddy from college, who lives in Eden Prairie. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna play tie and gauge in a match." So we're we've got a group chat going before we're all making fun of each other, and we get to the course, and my dad's wearing fucking blue jeans and an untucked white in a tucked in <laughs> white shirt. Looks like goddamn Bruce Springsteen out there, and then his buddy Sean shows up in uh, khaki pants. Uh, 
blue striped shirt and a red hat like he was playing on the fucking president's cup team oh that's a sweet i love that though it was a sick look but i was just like oh my god i mean we're fucking playing hack and whack out here i mean one guy's wearing blue jeans the other guy thinks he's on the president's cup team i mean sean sean what'd you come here did you drive here today thinking like you know i'm gonna dress like billy horschel i'm gonna be billy horschel out there today you know like i'm gonna play like billy horschel because i'm dressed like him and they're just laughing but we had a great match and uh, actually ended up losing on the 18th hole. Um, Ty and I both bogeyed and they parred. Lost by one stroke on the 18th hole. Oh, no. Um, it was tough, but I was actually happy, you know, because those guys are getting a little weathered. They're getting a little old. And it'll make them feel a little better knowing, you know, they beat a couple young bucks. Now that, you know, because, you know, they're thinking, you know, fuck, we were out of our prime a little bit, you know, do we still have it? And uh, so, no, it was a great weekend in that sense, got to spend some time with the dad and the family, but uh, obviously the, the, the Vikings win at the end of the game there. I don't know why I'm still invested. You know, it, it's so funny during the game. I'm like fucking Vikings classic yep. losing to the lions. And then all of a sudden they win and everyone's like fucking super bowl. Here we come. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the the ups and downs of the football season are just hilarious. But uh, yeah, no, that was my weekend. <clears throat> um, not much, but let's uh, let's move on to the fun stuff here brought to you by butter golf. And we'll start off with the uh, nail gun of the week. Does anyone want to start us off with that? Do you guys have anything good? I think uh, I just think the four hardos that have a preseason fight in the NHL already. Um, two of them, two fights today. One guy got absolutely punished, knocked out. Uh, obviously, worry about that guy's melon, but uh, the guy got sucky and he went down hard. Uh, all four of those guys, my nail gun of the week, just hardos. Oh, it's a different breed to fight in the preseason than just give her your all. I mean, uh, hey, they're looking for they're looking for a spot. I love it. That's how you get it. You got to get people to see your name. Yep. If you're not in the stat sheet, whether it's a penalty or something, you're not going to get noticed. Yep. Mace, you got one, or you want me to start us off? Yeah, I got one. Uh, just a quick one. Uh, my nail gun for this week is going to be Colorado College for getting rid of those dog shit jerseys and replacing it with one that's kind of decent. It's there not you go. bad. Logo's all right. I thought they had before, so. I think they look great. Yeah, I, I was very impressed, so they're my nail gun for this week. Okay, so I'll go now. As always, I have a couple. <laughs> um, my first one is a golden retriever and this golden retriever is, you know, sitting down and there's a human in front of the golden retriever with, and the golden retriever has six laid out in front of it and they're all like dice. So one of them's four, four, one of them's five, one of them's one, two, three, whatever. And they're all matched up. And the human has, you know, the guy has the same one across from him. So he flips over the second ones on his side and he spins them all around like a hundred times. He spins all of them around, spins them around, puts them back in place. And he touches one of them and the dog will put its paw on whatever dice he thinks it is. So he touches one of them, the dog's like, puts his pawn two, the dice two. 
and he flips it over and it's number two. And the dog went six for six. It was insane. No, it's like this, yeah, it's like the Zamboni game they play at the Ralph on the big screen, you know, when they're flipping yeah. around the pucks and you got to like, everyone's like, two, two, three, pick number three, <laughs> my lord. You know, like it's the same thing. And this dog got, it went six for six. I couldn't believe it. Was it did it reach out to the same cup every time or did it reach to a different cup? It reached it, it reached to a different block every time. Whatever block wow. he thought it was. Five, oh, four, six. He would touch it and he'd flip it over and it would be the correct one. I don't know if there's some sorcery going on there. If it was Yeah, fake, there's gotta but... be some cut video, I bet. I bet you there's some cut video. But that's I like that trick. Yeah. And then and then my second one is going off. It's kind of another magic trick, but it's it's with the Baltimore Ravens in preseason. And this video just came out. So this this magician or whatever, did you see this? I so saw ta- it. So he's he's talking to Lamar Jackson, and they're like, he's like, I want you guys to picture yourself in the Super Bowl. You know, pick a team, pick a team out of the AFC or the NFC or whatever. And and I forget who they Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcon. He's like, pick a team on the AFC. And I'm like, Atlanta Falcons. One guy raises his hand or whatever. He's like, Atlanta Falcons. He's like, okay. Now let's just uh, pick your favorite artist, whoever it is, whatever it is. Artist. And one guy, he like points at a guy and he's like, uh, Kodak, Kodak Black. Okay. And then he's like, Lamar, what, what score do you think the Super Bowl is going to be? He's like, 34-14, or 35-14. Yep. He's like, oh, okay, blow it. Okay, I have this envelope here that I wrote before I met with you guys. Open the envelope up and uh, just tell me what the note reads. And the note, the note starts off like, wow, the Baltimore Ravens are in the Super Bowl. Congratulations, you guys are playing the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. And everyone's like, oh, and they're like, Halftime show is scheduled with Justin Bieber, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's okay." And then, and then it's like, but he couldn't make it, so the NFL was struggling to find someone, and they found Kodak Black. And everyone's like, "No," and they're like, "The results of the game: 35-14 Baltimore Ravens over the Atlanta Falcons." And everyone just fucking lost it. They're like, "No." <laughs> It was not. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Focus with Will Smith? Yeah, yep. it's 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 got to be that. You know, like they they like ingrated in their minds like what they're thinking and stuff. Like, you know, Will Smith was like in Focus. He's like trying to make him think of the number seventy-seven or something. How, however, they do it like psychologically. They yeah. have to be doing some some of that sorcery to get that right. I mean, that was yeah. nuts. How do you explain 100%. that? It was wild. I just love the reaction. The reaction video is hilarious. If you don't follow Gage on Twitter, follow him. And it's one of his retweeted videos. It is so funny. The entire Ravens team just goes bonkers and it's unreal. I would too. I would be scared. It'd be like, how did you just yeah. do that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's For the sure. worst part. Of, For sure. And that's the worst. And that's the worst part about magicians. Like they'll show you a joke and you're like, all right. I mean, seriously, how'd you do it? And they're like, a magician <laughs> yeah. never tells his secrets. It's like, I kind of <laughs> want to strangle you right now, but that's okay. <laughs> so fucking tell me how you did it. <laughs> um, but those are my nail guns of the week. Um, now let's move on to, um, and now folks, 
we've been doing this we've been doing these episodes we were just talking about it you kind of forget that hockey season was a thing but now we're fucking in it we're in hockey season there's some games being played this weekend let's do some predictions um first game and we're going to go scores as well North Dakota versus Manitoba what uh, do we got yeah i got um I got 6-1 North Dakota. I like that. Yeah. I think uh, they this group's played a lot together. They got some guys coming back. They're super offensive. Their defense is great. Yeah, 6-1. I'm going to go 6-0. Now, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 4-1. to Kind of go back on what Ols said because they're experienced and they've already been there and they're a really good team, I think. Um, that's why they're only going to win 4-1. They're not going to, you know, those guys aren't going to come in this game like, oh, I got something to prove, whatever, you know. Like, you play Manitoba, you got to get the win, obviously, but uh, I don't think they'll pound it on them. But we'll see. Because I hear some, some of these freshmen they have coming in are pretty damn good. So Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Well, it's hockey season. It's going to be great. I love it. It is. Now let's move on to the next one. Uh, the Minnesota Gophers are playing Lindenwood. I don't know where Lindenwood is, but what do we think is going to happen there? It's at Minnesota. I'll start us off. I think it's going to be – yeah, I think this game's going to be 7 nothing. Oh, I think wow. Minnesota, I think Minnesota's talented. They're really skilled. They have a really good team coming back. They've got Bob Motzko on the power play. They're going to be unbelievable. He's going to have the guys going this first game of the year. They're going to pump them, I think. And and it's the Olympic-sized sheet, too. It's like that. Yeah. It's just a different game out there. I don't even think it's hockey. It's a it's a whole different <laughs> game. Um, yeah, it's a, I agree. It's a, it's a bunch of bullshit to me that Olympic-sized sheets are even a thing. But It's tough know. on the big-bodied slow guys. Yeah, that, that's probably why I'm complaining. But <laughs> um, but I, I'm going with you. I think it's I think it's eight one. I was actually going to say seven zero. Uh, so I'll take the seven uh, winning margin, but I'll move it to eight one Minnesota. Mace, what do you got? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know who Lindenwood is, so I'm going to go six zero. There you go. Easy peasy. I think so too. I think they're really good. Obviously, let's, a top ten team in the country this year. Let's do a little challenge right now. If you were to guess where Lindenwood is, where would you guess? St. Louis, Missouri. I'm going to Illinois. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somewhere in Alberta, a, a college. Oh, it's it is probably a Canadian team. I wasn't thinking about that. Uh, St. Charles, Missouri, a private nonprofit college. That's where it is. It's Missouri. in Missouri. Okay, I think I knew this. Did you fuck, what did you say? Did you say Missouri? I said St. Louis, Missouri, but I have a reasoning for that because uh, Andrew Marsh, a guy we went to school with at North Dakota, I think that was his first job after college, and I remember seeing it on uh, social media, and I always knew he was from St. Louis. That's why I guessed it. Oh, so you fucking cheated. All right, yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> I didn't cheat. I just used my knowledge. I just assumed that he wasn't like out east or something. Did cheat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Let's uh, let's move on to the next game: Wisconsin versus Lakehead. I'm gonna go Lakehead three <laughs> two. Listen, I was gonna do some. I was gonna do something similar too. You fucker. Somebody, somebody always loses this exhibition game, and everybody looks at their phone and they're like. Oh, did you see? You know, Minnesota only won two one. They're gonna suck this it, year. It, it always it, happens. It happens every year. It always happens. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's funny you say that, Ols, because my freshman year. So this little story on the back end. My freshman year, we go up to BC and we play an exhibition tournament over the New Year. You know, and, and North Dakota always schedules these exhibition games over New Year because they know, you know, their best player or two might be playing the World Juniors. So it's kind of strategical. So we went up there and, and we play this first team and the boys are, I mean, not to like, not to say, you know, I don't want to talk down on anyone, the Canadian college, but the boys were not, I mean, we were, they were fucking around the whole time. I mean, it was not like a, a game they had to play. Well, anyways, I was injured. Colton Sanderson was injured. He was up and we were up in the stands and Dusky's talking to one of his, one of his buddies that he knows up there from Canada. And he's like, Oh yeah. You know I mean? We haven't skated in, you know, five days together and boys were probably a little out of shape. You know, we'll probably only win six, seven, nothing. <laughs> and and that that fucking game we lost two to one. <laughs> and, and and I mean it's funny because you know we made the frozen four that year and, and had a good team, but just the fact that he said that before the game, and then we watched the whole game and it was just like silence, and we're just like I, I mean, I was sitting there, sitting there, like trying to hold back a laugh, like, "Oh my god, like, Dusky's <laughs> got to feel so awkward sitting next to this guy who we just said we'd beat six nothing, and we're getting beat right now." <laughs> <laughs> this <is> all time. <laughs> oh man, I remember. I, I think that our very close man, our very first Manitoba game was close, like three two or something, and Hack was pissed. Oh yeah. Probably coming off of that year because you guys lost the last one. Oh God, is that you fun. can't take those games lightly. I mean, no. those guys, those guys are pretty good players up there. You know, they they just played major junior, couldn't go to college, and you know now they're in co- now they're in Canadian college, and yeah. they're like they're like 25, 26 years old. Like they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, remember, I mean, I remember. It, played in Ann Arbor, we would play some D3 teams and and we beat that year Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. We tied UNH, Minnesota, Duluth. We got outplayed by a D3 team up in Otsego and all these guys were Canadian hockey players. They were unbelievable. And we're like, this is a fucking D3 team that we just played. I mean, we you know, we played some of the best college teams that are that are out there. You know, granted, those college teams are probably all hungover and didn't care one bit about playing us. But that still comes to show, you know, like age and experience has a lot to do with the hockey game and, and how yeah. it's played. You know, all these college teams had young players that were skilled, but this this Canadian D3 team 
just had experience and they, they just didn't do anything dumb. They didn't, they didn't do anything to wow people, but it's close. You know, the levels there are so close. It's, yeah. it's inches. And like, uh, like Dunner says in a few short minutes here um, with his interview, you know, the game is all about limiting mistakes. And as you get limiting mistakes, as you get, Above a level, you have to, you know, there's less and less mistakes made. You know, when you watch an NHL game, there's not many mistakes made at all. And that's just the difference, you know. It's so close. But it was cool. It's cool to say that and to have that experience because, you know, the D3 hockey players out there, they're right there. It's just, yeah. you know, it's one little detail. Well, it's no different in the in the coast when you get those Canadian college guys that come down after uh, after their season or whatever. You know, some of them surprise the shit out of you. You're like, this guy played Canadian college. He's a pretty good player. Oh, they're they're, they're unreal. It's just like we talked about, you know, with the the late the late uh, yeah. growers, and and you develop in your body, or you have something that happens in your life, and you just some somehow get dedicated to hockey for some reason, and you start working at it and thinking it the proper way, and yeah, you get there. Yeah, for sure. Mace, we got to get your uh, Wisco um, hatchet head prediction. What's the other team called? Lakehead hatchet head. <laughs> He's thinking about that that book we all read in middle school, Hatchet, <laughs> by Brian Paulson. Rest, rest in peace, Brian. Brian actually just died this year. Rest in peace. That's an unbelievable oh, no. book, but... All right, for my uh, my, my pick, I'm gonna go three one Wisco. Ols took Lakehead. <laughs> I took Lakehead three two, baby. I respect that. I respect yeah. That. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's do let's do the same thing. Unless you guys looked it up, where is Lakehead? I have no idea. I looked it up. Oh, okay. You got your out then. I'm gonna go. Um, Boston. Not a bad guess. Yeah, I was going to go some like weird like that, like, like Ohio, maybe Indiana. <laughs> Thunder Bay. Where is Thunder Bay. Oh, so they're Canadians. Yeah. They, they might actually. Yeah, they're Canadians. Th- Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay they was the win. scariest. Th- Thunder Bay was the scariest team to play against growing up because they were just mm-hmm. absolute wagons. All of them. The they fucking flames. They were jerseys. all animals. And their and their parents were intimidating too. Like their their dads would like like fake beat you up, like throw punches <laughs> like when you're walking in. It's like Jesus, this guy's 40. <laughs> um okay, those are the predictions. I like those. I'm excited, guys. Hey, we, we got still, college hockey back. We we still have to do our punishment from last year. I can't let us get off that easy. There, there is something that we need to dis- discuss early on this season. We got to get it done with so we can start the scoreboard again. Yeah, we got to get that. Done. No, let's let's get let's get the picture out there. Let's get the picture out there before this weekend starts. Let's just put it put aside ten minutes to get this dumb picture put together, and we'll take it quick. It'll be one 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 and done, and we'll get it out. I like it. I agree. Let's do it. All right. Well, now. Uh, now on to Travis Dunn, North Dakota hockey player back in the 80s. Now uh, doing some color commenting for North Dakota. Runs his own radio show up in Fargo-Moorhead area. 
Um, really interesting interview. Great guy, Dunner is. Um, I think you guys will enjoy this one. So now, Travis Dunn. And now I'd like to welcome on very special guest up in uh, Fargo-Moorhead area, Travis Dunn, North Dakota alumni. Um, Dunner, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate having you on. You know, anytime we can get together and talk UND hockey and fighting Sioux hockey, invite me. I'm always ready, I'm always ready to go. I love that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the it's the, uh, the 20 connection we have there, I think. Um, yeah, there you go right there. Yes, I got the 20 jersey. I, I made sure to, to frame it up so we could uh, get a good view of the uh, fighting Sioux logo as well. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – we need some – I need something like that behind me here. Um, instead of this stuff, also, I think you know, with your pictures behind you, you could do a little better as well. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Jeez, yeah, it's pretty average. It's pretty, average. <laughs> you know, yeah. The thing I is, like these jerseys know. are hard to come by, though, and especially, you know, as you guys know, the game worn stuff. I mean, that was a game worn jersey, uh, in two in for two national championship seasons. Uh, we wore that the year we won it in 1980. And then in 1982, Dan Brennan, who also autographed that, um, he wore it in the national championship game. So it's uh, it's something that has uh, I've been told has great value. Not that I'm ever intending on selling it, but um, yeah. you know it's uh, kind of a one of a kind. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, that's funny you mentioned that because uh, you know there are some UND fans out there who collect memorabilia. Yeah, I've heard. And, yes, and uh, you know we only get. Olson and I, when we graduated, we only got one jersey to take home with us and to mm-hmm. have for memories. And obviously that's something, you know, I think almost every guy we played with is never going to give give up to anyone. Well, I get I get badgered by these guys, you know, who who have all of my jerseys from past years and stuff. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. the only one I'm missing is the green one. You know, how much for it? It's like, you know, get the hell out of here. Like, if this thing is not for sale. <laughs> You know, you guys, Dave Kamarowski was before you guys came along. And and Cameron was notoriously, well, he was cheap. Uh, They didn't give us jerseys when we finished. We didn't get anything when we walked out the door other than a national championship ring and, you know, the other accoutrement that comes with winning championships. Uh, And so one day I'm in talking to Cameron and said, you know, Cameron, I'd love to get a jersey. What do you got? And he goes, well, and he he talked in a, a very slow tone. He's like, well, I have to have at least 20 bucks for that one back there. And it was a brand new number 35 Bob Iwabuchi worn jersey. So I got that jersey and I'm in the press box at the UND hockey game in 1980-something with Pat Sweeney doing a game. And I look down and I see my number 20 jersey down in the stands. And I went down and said, listen, I've got a brand new number 35. I wore that jersey. Would you trade that 35 for that jersey? And I had not realized that Dan Brennan had autographed it. So she said, absolutely. So she got one without blood on it. I got the jersey with Dan Brennan's or whoever else's blood that probably got on that jersey. So uh, it's been in my possession ever since. And as you can see up on the top, I've got, you know, the national championship thing from 80 and the and that gopher thing. We came in second. Silver medals don't really count for much, but uh, yeah. uh, that's why it's up on there. But uh, that's, it, you know, it's one of those things that my kids will uh, someday inherit and, uh you know, what they do is up to them. But at this point, it's not going anywhere other than right there on the wall in my office. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. And actually, you know, when when people message me, they have a couple of my other jerseys. I reverse it out and I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. No, I, no, I need your, I need my jersey back. So how much are you selling that thing? For? You know, yours aren't yours aren't antiques though. This is <laughs> that's forty two years old. I mean, that's just the reality. That like me, I'm an antique now. Uh, the time has flown by, as you guys know. I mean, good lord, you guys won it in sixteen, and already Aussie is what uh, six, seven, whatever number. I'm a bad mathematician, but in the seventh yep. season after that national championship, and it's hard to believe, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. It feels like it was yesterday. It is, you know, and that's, you know, and that's the part that, you know, I, I try and I know you guys do the same thing when you talk to today's UND hockey players. And I had a chance to last week, I was up for FanFest and uh, talking to a few of the freshmen and they're just taking it all in with FanFest to say, guys, slow down, take a breath, absorb every minute. You know, you, do, you don't have to play. You don't have to go to practice. You get to play. You get to go to practice. Absorb it as bad as some of those practices might be. And you guys know that, that they're not a lot of fun sometimes, but you get to do it. And and so many people would give their left leg, right leg, arm and both arms to be able to do and experience the things that we had to experience in our careers and how lucky and how fortunate we were. And again, being part of that uh, alumni group of eight teams that won a national championship. Hey, you're, you're remembered forever. And that's pretty darn cool on top of it. Absolutely. We, we discussed that uh, last week, actually, just like taking a step back and really realizing where you're at. Uh, Absolutely. When you're, when you're in a position like that. You know, and, and we, you know, and, and to remember the guys that went before, you know, I mean, you guys do a great job. Uh, Brad's done a great job of incorporating the alumni coming back. We had our 40th reunion a couple of years ago before COVID shut things down. And, uh, you know, remembering the Bob Peabody's, the goaltender, that great picture with no mask looking back up and he gave a million six or two million, whatever it is, uh, a whole bunch of change to you and the hockey program. Those guys that came before us, you know, we, we you know, Reggie Morelli, uh, Ben Chersky, who still holds the goal scoring record at UND in, in you know, history, 19, the late 50s, uh, you know, uh, those guys laid the groundwork so I could play. And, and teams that win national championships, they, they don't build beautiful rinks. They're teams that come in second, right, guys? Yeah. And so, you know, they keep adding. And, and, and now, have you, seen the, have you seen the weight room down there? This got sent a video from Dixon Bowen. Oh my God. I just about shit my pants when I saw it. I could not believe <laughs> it. it. It's just, in, it's insane. It's, it's futuristic. It looks like it's, you know, we're living in the year. <laughs> and you know, I just cannot believe yeah. that's something these college athletes have um, to use at their disposal. Yep. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It is, you know, we, and we had in the, and everybody's played in better rinks than we grew up playing in. I grew up playing outdoors and, you know, let's go back to the beginning, I guess, how we all got into this goofy game. I grew up uh, right across the back alley from a community club in Transcona, which is a suburb of Winnipeg. Um, everything was community club based. And, the, you know, the volunteers flooded the rink. We prayed for cold weather in November so we get that outdoor rink going because um, that's where I played until I was about 11 or 12 years old. Very few indoor games. And I remember asking my mom to get me skates and I was going to go out there and fly around and be a superstar from the get-go. And the first thing I did was fall flat in my face, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, we all, we've all done that, right, Trevor? Yeah, uh, absolutely. First, we all remember those first tries. And I, I grew up on the rink playing um, the volunteers. I remember the gentleman, uh, Mr. Hughes, who gave us the key to the place at when eight, nine years old. Here, go ahead and flood it and play ball hockey until midnight, whatever you want. My parents could see from their bedroom window the rink, so they knew where we were. So hockey was the center of our universe, and we only had two TV stations, so there was nothing else to do, right? Yeah. So it was public skating five days a week, practice Tuesdays and Thursdays.
for an hour and one game on Saturday. So that's what I grew up playing the game and, and, you know, the, the, and played it for fun. Never, ever in my wildest imagination thought that I'd end up playing. I mean, I didn't even know what University of North Dakota was, to be honest with you. My brother uh, had gone to UND to get his master's degree in political science. When I finished school and after playing junior hockey, I thought, well, I'm going to go walk on. I would never seen a college hockey game. I wasn't recruited by anybody. I think they actually, they recruited me to go somewhere else. Like, I want to try somewhere else, you know, so I, anyway, but I walked on and, and uh, didn't make it for two years, played JV hockey at uh, UND, which guys, JV hockey. Now there's an experience for you. I can tell you that much. Yeah. What, what is that all like? I, I, I noticed <laughs> that I didn't really understand it. What did that involve? What oh, did... Uh, JV. Oh gosh. Uh, basically forcing in my case, there was JV because it gave me a place to skate for two years so I could mature into my body. I grew quite a bit. I grew two inches in my freshman year in college, so I couldn't stand up, let alone skate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the guys that got cut and put on JV, we would practice after the varsity practice. And so we got the ice that was completely chopped up. Um, we got to play teams like the Roseau Leafs, uh, Bemidji State. We played Bemidji State back in those days. Uh, we actually beat them. Um, you league teams and stuff from around the area? And- well, in the University, but the University of Minnesota had a JV team too back in the day. We didn't play them, but we played a lot of you know, club teams and and not even a lot. We played seven or eight games. And what ends up happening is all the Canadian kids quit and went home. So we'll tap, we end up not having much many games after Christmas because there was no one on the team. But we did play the Roseau Leafs one time with seven guys, an extra one extra goalie, one extra skater, and and five skaters. So I think I played 58 minutes of the of the game. And Gino was coaching us at that time because Gino was the head coach. Um, and it was colder than sin in that old Rose Arena, which you guys, you know, you've been in that place before they put heat in it. Uh, but we played and we, we were winning four to two until one guy got a concussion with four minutes left and we were just gassed and we lost six, four. Uh, <laughs> but then, and then we drove in the van, they gave us a sack lunch. We drove back to Grand Forks and uh, that was JV hockey. And, and uh, Verge Foss actually wrote a story in the Grand Forks Herald watching JV hockey was like watching paint dry. I've never let Verge forget that because I was on that team. Um, Forty people there, and Rick Wilson's dog was one of the, one of the lines in in uh, in, in his column. Uh, so you know, it wasn't anything we were getting recognized for. My draft year came and went. I was playing JV hockey at UND, and then uh, lo and behold, my junior year came along, and I thought I'd give it one more shot. My mom actually said, "Are you going to try this again?" I said, "Yeah, I'll give it one more shot." And then two years later, I had two Final Fours. One loss to the Gopher, one national championship ring, two WCHA rings, and a whole bunch of teammates and an opportunity, a little bit of an NHL opportunity, not much of one, but uh, played with guys like Doug Smale, uh, David Christian, and down the line. So uh, I had a heck of an experience that I, again, never thought would ever come to fruition, uh, given where I came from and how I got there. No, yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. So you know, it's news to me, actually, that there was a JV team. I knew they did something like that, but obviously there wasn't really juniors after high school, right? Once you graduated, graduated high school, you kind of went to college, right? Well, in, in Winnipeg, I did, I did, uh, I worked for a year after high school. I played uh, in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League uh, for the St. Bonnevis Saints. Uh, but my goal was to, you know, the development now is obviously you go and play USHL until you're 20, right? Yeah. I mean, you guys did that. Um uh, you know, the case in, in my case was, well, I'm going to go down. It was different then 
there were a lot more freshmen playing right out of high school. Well, those vis-a-vis Neil Broughton, David Christian, they went right from high school to college, which now they would have gone a year somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um, and in this case, uh, I, I played my year at junior hockey. I thought, well, I'll go down and try it, at least get my education, because that was an important part of the equation, as you both know. Um, you know we kind of we end up working a whole lot longer than we play hockey in our lives. And so that education is really important. So anyway, so uh, I could have stayed for one more year and played junior. Uh, I chose not to and uh, walked on and then had my experience from there. But, uh, you know, you know, it, it's like everything else. And, and the best example I can give, when, when I walked on at UND, there were some other walk-ons that kind of went on to pretty good NHL careers, which uh, Craig Ludwig, uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, had a chance to play football at the University of Wisconsin turned down the scholarship and walked on to play hockey at UND. Phil Sykes was in, still was uh, voted what the top 25 college players of all time or top 50. He was a walk-on as well. So we wow. played some JV games the year before with Phil. Uh, uh, there wasn't JV any longer when Craig Ludwig showed up in 79. Um, so, you know, the, the walk-on opportunities were, were different then. Guys came right from high school. Uh, and you talk about that weight room that we didn't have at the old Winter Sports Center. It was called the Winter Sports Center, by the way, before you guys got there, before it became the Ralph. And now it's uh, a training facility for the football team. Yeah. Uh, long gone. But we had a universal gym next to the dressing room. It was a dressing room, but just a universal gym. That was our weight room. And the first time I saw Craig Ludwig, he walked in, took the weight bar and put it down at the bottom. It was doing bench press you know, uh, power lifts. And we looked at him like, holy mackerel, what is this guy? I mean, he was as big as a freaking house. Uh, and we thought, good Lord. And he uh, he was a project. And, and we'll, we'll go back into this later. But uh, Rick Wilson was the assistant coach. And he talked uh, Gino into keeping him on the team because he saw the potential. And his last game with the Dallas Stars, he won the Stanley Cup. Rick Wilson was the assistant coach with the Dallas Stars. And he obviously, that that talent came to fruition because, you know, he won two Stanley Cups. Rick Wilson coached them for a number of years in National Hockey, including Eddie Belfour uh, with Dallas. And, uh, you know, so again, those, those, the, the, the way that people got places a little bit different, but uh, they did a pretty great job of getting there. And, and Craig was, uh, you know, phenomenal. By the way, you have to get him on and I'll give you his contact info. Oh, that would suds, be awesome. suds, suds with Luds. That's yeah. his podcast. We need uh, it. Chelios, and he did Chelios, and Chelios's mom was on with him, and they were talking <laughs> about Montreal road trips and stuff. So you got to get Luds on. I mean, he's got great stories, but he's the man with the shin pads, as we're all well aware of. But uh, you know, uh, a great career. But again, just guys that I got a chance to hang out with and, and rub shoulders with was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, uh, Dunner, I did want to kind of circle back to um, you mentioning that you had grown a few inches um, mm-hmm. in college. And I can kind of relate this to a guy named Tucker Pullman, who yep. when I was playing with him in his senior year of high school, he was like five foot nine, five foot 10. Wow. And, you know, he graduates high school and then he plays a couple years juniors, maybe it was two or three years. Well, then comes, yeah. Then he comes in and he's six foot three and grown into his body. You know, it, it would have been the same situation, you know, if you would have had to go to college after high school, he would have had to play on the JV team to grow into his body. But, you know, now that we have juniors and stuff to kind of go through that phase, 
he was able to come in and, and make an impact right away. And obviously now he's an NHL player. So um, the players, you know, obviously that was a, that's a big change from when you were playing because, you know, how many guys who grew like that, that just never had a chance after high school because, it, you know, they missed their time. Right. The late bloomer guys. And you probably, you know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, and, 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 and I'll equate it to this. You, you and East Grand Forks didn't know like in 1970s that, that the Manitoba Junior Hockey League would be an option for you where you could have gone up and played. It just wasn't. You went, you went to college right after high school. You didn't play. So the late bloomer didn't have the opportunity to late bloom. And you look at a Tucker Pullman, and we've all known his story. It's a great story. There weren't teams that really wanted him, and he had to bust his can. And, and the, the, the best analogy I ever heard was from uh, actually Gino Gasparini saying that. And, and you, know, guys that, you know, guys that start here, you know, you you all saw the and Trevor, you know, and Oz, you saw the guys that were the 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 blue chippers. Man, these guys are going to be superstar college players. They come in, they're they're cocky, they have a super like their, their attitude. You know what doesn't stink, um, but they but they don't know what adversity is. And when they see yep. adversity, they don't know how to get from back down here to back up there. Where a guy like a Craig Ludwig or a Tucker Pullman, you're here, you get cut. You're down here. You crawl back up. You keep crawling, and you keep progressing. And those are the guys who know what uh, adversity is and how to push through it. Because let's face it, playing hockey is hard, and especially now in this day of age, social media and the rest of it. I am so thankful that I didn't play during social media because I had people recommend that I play basketball back <laughs> then, but they weren't saying it on. You know, they weren't telling me to do that on social media. Uh, and so, you know, those guys like that. Uh, you know, take those strides and they're the ones who are the guys that end up being the superstars. And, you know, can you imagine how many guys didn't get those opportunities because there was nowhere to go? The USHL back in those days was a survival league. If you put, I've heard the stories of the brawls and all the rest of it. And, you know, I, I Manitoba Jr. was a, was better. There was still brawls and stuff, but luckily I never got involved with too many, too much of that. Uh, Western Canada was where the, where the big fighters were back in those days. But, uh, you know, I, again, just the opportunities, and the guys like Tucker Pullman, uh, I would bet on those guys. You know, you can you imagine Craig Ludwig is in the same boat with him. You know, guys who started here and went up to there and knew how to stay there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, those are the kind of guys you build teams around and, and teams with, that are successful. That's we, we, we discuss um, everybody's path and, you know, how they get to certain places. And that's mm-hmm. one of our favorite parts of this show. Tuck, Tucker Pullman's story stands out by far. Yep. I mean, there were North American hockey league teams that were, didn't even want him, didn't even give him a tryout. You know, he went down to, I don't even know where he went, Wenatchee or some, yeah. Wichita, I think it was Wenatchee or something. You know, they grabbed onto him, they held him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he went to the USHL and he was USA hockey player of the year. And it was just, his development was crazy. I'll never forget. We'll, we'll post the picture of Tucker, but in high school, he was playing like street hockey uh, and he's holding on to his stick and his arms were like twigs and he's yeah. this tall, lanky guy. Yeah. It's my favorite picture of all time. And now he's just 3% body fat. He's just built into his body. Uh, it's His story is pretty crazy. And, you know, and again, not that uh, Tyler Clevin was a walk-on or anything else, but he's done the same progression, right? A skinny kid playing at Fargo Davies. You know, you can see the potential but there's a million guys who have potential, right? And the fruition from that potential sometimes doesn't come to be. But he has worked his way, went to the development program, and has worked his way into now 
you know, Brad Barry, you know, Brad doesn't like us talking about guys who are going to be leaving the program next year. But you yeah. and I, we all know that he is not going to be with UND next year. Uh, he'll be playing with the Ottawa Senators, absolutely no doubt in my mind. Uh, and again, now he's 23 years old, somewhere in that ballpark. Had a chance to develop, like Tucker, had a chance to develop. And again, that's what college, you know, there are so many. And my good friend, Scott Taylor, I do do my show, other radio show we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, you know, he talks about if you're, if you're uh, you know, if you are that blue chipper and you're going to go right to the National Hockey League in one year, you play Western Canada. Well, I disagree with him. And, I, and I've let him know that because I think there's a, yes, there's a physical maturity, but there's also emotional maturity that comes with playing two years or three years of college. And I think that's such an important part of the equation that some of these guys, you know, Nolan Patrick, for example, blue chipper, right? Drafted by Philadelphia. He's a no way this guy's not going to be an NHL superstar. It hasn't worked out for him very well. You know, who knows what the emotional side now has been, but had he played college, that would have been something that probably I think would have been very, very, very beneficial for him. And, and that practice time, which, you know, they used to say, if you don't play 80 games a year, right, you're not going to be a develop. You're not going to develop as a hockey yeah. player. Well, college programs don't play 80, but the development has sure been pretty spectacular with a lot of guys because practice time, workout facilities. I mean, look at you two guys, man, working on that. You look, you look fabulous for working out in that facility at UND for all those years. Well, <laughs> describe working out. <laughs> well, the workout's changed now, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, make, you make a good point, and I did want to uh, bring up one of my favorites, one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard, and I say it all the time. Um, when you're talking about Tucker Pullman and going through adversity, you know, like calm seas don't create great sailors. They just right. you're never gonna be a great sailor if you're if you're sailing calm seas. You need absolutely some you need some chop. You know, you need some storms and you get out of there, you find your way out of a pinch and, and then you're, you're all that much better for it. Yeah. Um, and then you bring up Nolan Patrick, right? He's, he's a high end pick. Everyone expects him to be great. And I know we talk about all these players, like, you know, well, they're not dedicated. Did they lose love for the game or they're just not panning out? Well, when you talk about athletes, you, 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 you talk about most of the things that you see on the ice. Well, what we do forget a lot of the times is these athletes live lives behind the scenes that isn't on the ice and isn't in the locker room and isn't in the weight room. Yep. And a lot of those life events and, and whatever you're going through and, and some decisions you make, whatever, you know, that could give you more stress or make it hard to sleep at night. Sometimes um, all those things factor in. So, you know, I, you know, whenever you talk about an athlete and, and not panning out or they're not playing well this year, you know, they've been on a skid. It's like, well, you don't really know what they're going through in their personal life, right? And no one ever thinks about that. But uh, they're, you know, more often than not, you know, there's a lot. Of, it's like it's like Tom Brady, even you know, he leaves camp for a week, and you right. know, his his wife and family want him to come back home. He's been playing. You football. know exactly right. And pressure effect is a pressure affects everyone differently, right? Um, you know, and you you put the pressure on having to succeed on the ice and be a superstar and be a a good husband and a good father, those things all add up. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I had Ed Belfour on uh, our show last year on, on Game On. And, you know, and, and he had some success after after college. You know, he Stanley Cup rings, uh, gold medals in the Olympics. Um, you know, all the, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, let's face yeah. it. And I asked him, and I said, you know, this is a, a really loaded question, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. What is your favorite memory of hockey? What's your best memory? And he actually teared up and he could see him fighting it back. He goes, University of North Dakota. 
because we're all 19 years old, 20 years old. We had no families. We were family. And it was the best experience. Of course, <laughs> they lost eight games that year and won a national championship. So that's pretty good. And yeah. then on to the National Hockey League. But at the same time, life was simple for us in college, wasn't it? You had practice. They took care of your stuff. You just had to go to class and, and stay eligible, right? Yep. And stay out of trouble. You guys, did, you stayed out of trouble, right, guys? Tried to, anyway. Most of the time, Bubs would take care of you. And yeah. We could we could get into a lot of stories about guys that got into trouble. You know, but we, that's not the idea today. But the bottom line is this: you know, college is simple. Um, it's the greatest experience of a lifetime. Uh, all of us, I would give my national championship ring back to go do it again. I mean, that's just reality. It was that much fun. Um, and if we could just package that adrenaline you had for that very first game, we'd live to be 150 years old because we would be energized forever. Um, but, you know, again, it, there's a lot of things that go into playing the game. And we've all known guys who had all the talent in the world. But between the years is such an, a big part of that, which I think you guys were much more prepared to succeed in, in that because of all the training that was available to you, not only physically, but also the, the 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 mental side of the game because I don't think a lot of people realize how much yes you do the physical practice every day but how much of the mental practice goes into being pre- prepared to play the game as well not yeah. only at this level but at the next level on top of it. Well, you think of all the good players they they visualize you know every shift you know they go through it in their mind they're not only training themselves on that the physical side and performing but they're also they're so dialed in with routines and food and everything, mm-hmm. the the whole outside world, and it's just pristine. And that's why they're so good. That's why they're the best. Ozzy wore number twenty, nice jersey back there, number twenty. And and as a good defenseman, we were the quarterback, right? Yep. Yeah. And so before every game, I would sit back and I close my eyes and just every play that could happen, you played it before the game even played, right? This happens. Where do I go with it? It's you know, and it's so. And it's to the point where you don't even think. You practice to exhaustion. And then you, you know, that's why they skate the hell out of you. So you practice to exhaustion. So everything just becomes, you're just reacting. You're not thinking. Because when you start thinking, and how many games did you guys ever play when you were thinking really good, but, man, you were playing like crap? Well, that's We literally talked to Brock Besser about that um, and, and playing against, you know, Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. It's like when you watch them, they're not thinking. They don't have time to think out there. They're just reacting. Uh-huh. And, yeah. you know, that comes from doing it over and over and over and over again. So where it comes, you know, muscle memory almost. And yep. But it also comes from the visual visualization like we were talking about. And it's funny you guys mentioned that because, you know, when I was younger, I'd read a book about visual visualization and how important it was. So that was a part of my game day routine, even through the week. Um and I was always told that never to visualize yourself making a bad play and correcting it. Always visualize yourself making the right play. And mm-hmm. I mean, shit, I was even visualizing myself just making a, you know, from the corner to the hash mark, 10 foot pass, tape to tape. I just visualized that over and over, you know. And if I was uh, if I was focused during that time before the game and stuff, I always felt comfortable and I felt like I was ready to play when I did, you know, go through those plays in my head before. So it definitely does help doing that visualization. Yep. And that's about to all young players to to implement that in their game, even during the game when they're eating pregame meal or about to take their nap. That's when I did a lot of it. 
right before I'd take my nap, I'd visualize all these things and then I'd almost just fall asleep. You know, it's kind of like meditating a little bit, but uh, yeah. I do believe that's a big part of the game. I think that's what most of the, uh, the big time players are doing nowadays. Absolutely. And the only thing, the only, the only tune I ever didn't like hearing was Linda Ronstadt singing blue by you. when someone went by me, I, I hated that song. <laughs> You know, that's a very bad joke. I'd rather reach for that one. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and, you know, there's everybody had a different routine, right? I mean, David Christian, I mean, I would go to the rink. I, I, we have our pregame meal, uh, go back to my room, nap like we all did. Right. And then, then I'd crank up the tunes. I think I played Rocky, you know, that was back when Rocky was a big movie back in the day to get pumped up. And then Doug Smale would come to my room and I'd leave and go to the rink about quarter to five. Doug would listen to music for a while, and then he'd leave and go to the rink. David Christian would walk in uh, quarter to seven. No, not quarter to seven. We were on the ice. At, yeah, we'd, be, we'd warm up about seven o'clock, I believe it would be. Anyway, David would walk in at 20 to seven eating a hot dog. <laughs> la da 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 Meanwhile, I'm going, okay, I'm putting my equipment on, right leg, left leg, meticulously so it fit perfectly. David walks in eating a hot dog with a goofy look in his face, and throws his gear on and goes out and plays like a superstar. You know, you, you, you guys played with guys like that. I played with guys like that, where some of us don't have the capability of just going, la-da-da, we had to be tuned in, dialed in, or we were screwed. Yeah, That is yeah. so funny. That is so funny you bring that up, because I was just talking to one of my friends about this, how we, you know, we do all these, we do all these sports documentaries on Netflix about Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, all these guys who, and Kobe Bryant, they all worked harder than everyone else. And it was like, well, no shit, they're better. I mean, they just worked harder. Let's do a study on the guys like Phil Kessel. And <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah. aren't doing anything in the summer. And they're still unbelievable. Those guys are the ones who are impressive because they have no business being there. And they just have so much natural <laughs> that they're that good. Those are the guys we need to study more. Guy Lafleur, you know, notor- you know, Guy Lafleur never worked out in the summertime. Best one of the best players ever to play in the National Hockey League. He'd walk into the room smoking a dart, you know, <laughs> and between periods, he'd be smoking a cigarette. Of course, they all did that back in those days. That was just part of routine. Uh, I'll tell you a good John Mark story after we get move forward here in a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's changed so dramatically, but there are those guys who are so gifted, they didn't have to. And, but there also were guys who were so gifted when they got to the National Hockey League, they didn't know then how to turn it on to compete at that level either. So some guys could do it. I think the number was probably pretty small, but it's a lot different than it was back in that, in those days. And I think, you know, now obviously I say, you know, McKinnon and McDavid and all those guys in the NHL, Crosby, they obviously work harder than everyone else, but I do think they were gifted more than everyone else as well, because, you know, I like to think, you know, even if I put as much time in as they did, I would, only be half the hockey player they are because I was just not gifted that talent to be able to skate Mach 9 on the ice and still see the ice like, you know, with 2020 vision. That's just something, you know, whenever I would skate top speed and I had the puck on my stick, my vision was blurry. I mean, it was just, yep. I didn't see anything. I just had to look at the That's puck. Why you should have just stayed slow. It was easy <laughs> when you're slow. Yeah. Right there with you, man. Right there with you. I was exactly right. I would just, yeah. Yeah. Little C cuts, you know, I can see everything going two mile an hour. It was great. You know, but, uh, you know, I, we I we were always, you know, I loved the, the pass. That's what it was. That was my strength. I mean, I loved being the guy getting the puck out of the zone. 
uh, and Rick Wilson, our, it was our defenseman coach at the time, called us the mules. And basically the mules were the ones where the thoroughbreds were bogged down, the mules carried the load. And so we played the physical game. You moved the puck out of the zone. You kept the front of the net clear. The game evolved, of course, into stretch plays and things like that, and defensemen jumping into the play. But back in the days, defensemen didn't play much above, you know, the, the, you know we, the breakouts were all back in behind the net. You guys broke it out winger down on the far blue line and the stretch pass and all that fun stuff. We didn't have that. We didn't play the game that way. So we, we had the art of the pass and the winger off the wall. You know, you've heard that a few times in your career, but our winger off the wall was that, that was our breakout. That was our, our go-to each and every time. Uh, there weren't many, very many, you know, plays that, you know, that did the stretch stuff. So, you know, it, it, you're right. I never got past center ice with a puck carrying it. Are you kidding me? Would have been going the other direction back in my own net if I did that. Oh, yeah. uh, well, I also think the stretch pass has a little bit to do with the uh, stick technology nowadays. Very much so. Obviously, nowadays, guys are throwing sauce like nothing. Um, I don't no. think that was happening back in the 80s and, and mm-hmm. even 90s because the sticks just weren't built. Oh, God, we had, the, we had the Christian brothers. Yeah. Yeah, we had the Christian brothers. The guys would carve them down. They would take a rasp and rasp it down to almost nothing. You didn't recognize the stick. Um, yeah, you couldn't shoot the way you could shoot now. And again, you go, there's so many things involved. Technology is so different. Skates weigh three ounces versus I wear the Bauer Comp 2 defenseman skate with a built-in ankle guard. They were nine pounds of skate. Well, good Lord, they get wet. They weigh 12 pounds. No wonder it was slow as slow could be. Plus, we didn't have advertising on the boards to make us look like we were skating fast, right? Because the boards were just pure white. And the ice had nothing on it other than just the regular painted lines. So everything looks slower, uh, so, you're, you know, technology has a lot to do with it and uh, facilities and, again, weight training. All those things just make the game so much different. And each year is great. Um, and it's just what's been afforded now is the fact that, you know, the technology, the nutrition, our nutrition was, well, we didn't work out after the games like you guys had to. You know, the guys would end up at the antique. You know, after that, yeah. <laughs> five minutes after the game was over, they weren't working out. I would go down and see you guys after a game, the show buddies after a game. You guys are on the ellipticals, for God's sake, for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Athletic trainers back in the day were handing out beers saying, hey, hydrate for the, hydrate for tomorrow, boys. Got to get your link. <laughs> well, I walked into the training room. I walked into the training room one of the weeks that we were up there doing a tour on a Saturday morning. And guys' legs are wrapped in these black things. I thought... Guys got broken legs or what are they? No, they're they're compression stockings. So what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> what the those hell are those things? Those things do wonders. You know, they squeeze your legs. They kind of get some circulation going through the sore legs. Who knew? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? We didn't have that. We went to the Red Pepper. We went to the Red Pepper after went back and slept and got up and the next day went to the. You know, we didn't even do a morning skate on Saturday. I uh, always, and we, yeah. I, I always felt I would have been a better player back in the day. I feel like I fit your guys' uh, <laughs> very, very well. You, you know, yeah. Boots. Yeah. You know, the thing is, um, yeah, your your feet broke. Your feet didn't break in. Yeah, pardon me. Your skates didn't break into your feet. Your feet broke into your skates. Yeah. You guys put skates on, they were broken in instantaneously. It was just phenomenal. You know, it was just such a different time. But, you know, the talent levels of the guys, you know, I would put Doug Smale, you know, the best sign I ever saw in the Winnipeg arena back in the day, my brother had season tickets to the Winnipeg Jets and I would go to a lot of games. because I knew a lot of guys. I tried out for St. Louis and knew a bunch of the blues. And of course, David Christian was playing for the Jets. I'm dropping a lot of names, but what the heck, why not? That's what we're here for. Um, You know, and and, you know, the best sign I ever saw in the Winnipeg arena, the definition of speed of speed 
moving at a snail's pace because <laughs> uh, he could go. He had giddy up, man. And he still holds the record at UND for the most shorthanded goals. And I know that I got a couple of assists just by going, okay, shorthanded off the boards. Doug would go down the ice, 100 miles an hour, score a goal. Um, <laughs> and I also saw him score the fastest goal to start an NHL game in NHL history. You watched that. I was in the Winnipeg Arena when he against the St. Louis Blues, and I wouldn't have made the pass that that boneheaded St. Louis Blue defenseman made. He tried a cross-ice pass, face-off, back to the guy. Douglas went right between him. He put it right on his tape, in and scored, and I think it was six seconds or five. It, it, three or four guys hold the record now. That's happened since, but uh, Doug scored the fastest goal, and that was the fastest in, in NHL history. That's nuts. I can't imagine score, holding records in NHL and also – it bothers me, you know. Obviously, you 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 watch NHL players, you watch guys, and and nowadays it's like speed kills. So it's like whoever's whoever's the best yeah. skater out there. That's I feel like if I were to tell a young kid right now what to work on, skating. That's it. You know, if you're a good skater, the re- the rest of the game will come. Uh, yep. Just work and never and skate. never and never take a shift off because if you do in the National Hockey League, your career is over. You can't. You, you can't do it. And uh, and you're right. The game is 100 miles an hour all the time. It's big-bodied guys playing the game. Um, I remember going to a St. Louis Blues uh, exhibition game in, uh, against Winnipeg at the Ralph back in the day, and Chris Pronger was playing. And I swear that Chris Pronger could touch both the boards on each side of the rink with a stick in his hand. The guy was humongous, and he used his stick like an, act, an axe. My God, was he a big dude. And the game, you know, extremely physical. The game was so, you know, when you look at the size of these athletes playing the game today, it was, you know, Matt Smaby was, what, 6'7"? Yeah. Whatever he was. Uh, Good Lord. I was 6'3", and people thought I was a behemoth. And it's like, no way. I'd be the small guy. I'm in the back of every picture I've ever been in hockey in my whole life. Now I'd be the guy on the side uh, because 6'4", 6'5", 6'7", guys would be the ones there. You know, Sedano Charo at 6'9". God, he only retired after what one thousand six hundred games in the National Hockey League or some ungodly number. Pretty um, good, not bad for a big man. A big man that could skate and and not many people mess with him. But yeah, pretty pretty awesome indeed. But yeah, they're just uh, again, we're we're a nice fraternity of guys that got to hang out at the Ralph and uh, uh, Winter Sports Center or wherever whatever people called it in the day. We sure had fun doing it. And like I said, it's it's changed a lot, but uh, not the only thing that hasn't changed is the characters within. The the boys the boys at North Dakota are uh, the culture there still stands strong and uh, it is something you know everyone takes pride in um, just just kind of being a North Dakota guy it's you know kind of everyone still knows what that means um, kind of you know grindstone put your nose to the grindstone and just fucking battle it out kind of hockey but also you got you got some of those skilled guys who can score the highlight reels so um, I think this team's got I think this team's got a lot of a little bit of both this oh year. Boy. Oh boy! Um, Do you think? Do you yeah, think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of national championships have been won. Every you know, whether sixty-three programs, they've all won. In, before the season starts, they're going to win the national championship. You know, there's always that uh, potential this year. We got the potential. UND has the potential, and yes, yeah, you know, put it this way: How in the hell did a team with TJ Oshie and Taves not win a national championship? I mean, 100%. that's. You know, and so, and they had potential. They, they, you know, they were, it comes down to, and as you and I all know it, you know, the, 
whether it's the Stanley Cup playoffs or the NCAA playoffs or USHL playoffs, they should call it goalie. Because if your goalie ain't doing it, you ain't yeah. going to be winning much for a championship. And that obviously hurt UND back in the day. But this year's team, um, you know, let's face it, they have depth. They've got tremendous leadership. Um, you know, three sets, four sets of defensemen that look like they could play. You got Tyler Clement, obviously. Uh, you know, Ethan Frisch has grown immensely in, into the role that he has today. Uh, from a young man that wasn't drafted in the National Hockey League, I think he'll be cashing a pretty good check next year. Um, you know, is there, they've got that part of it. They've got leadership, you know, with Reese Gaber. They've got leadership with, the, you know, Gavin Hain that came back and, and Sendon. And then you look at a young man named, uh, well, let's see, his grandpa had a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty helped a lot getting the Ralph Engelstad Arena built, right, uh, Mr. Strinden. And you talk, you know, Brad is very high on him this year as well, how he's come in and really fit in, and he's going to be hard to keep out of the lineup. So the competition to get out and play every game is going to be there too. You can't take a shift off in practice. You may not be playing because of it. So there's a competition within that group as well. Uh, they're very deep. The question Mark's always going to be goaltender, goaltending. Will uh, DeRitter be the guy to step in and take it? He's a fifth year out of Michigan State, obviously. If he is if he is halfway solid, and the thing is, he doesn't have to be a superstar because I think the guys in front of him are going to protect him. You guys know defensemen blocking shots, not letting the pucks get through, the stick work, keeping the lanes clogged up. He's not going to see a lot of shots from the middle of the rink because of the experience of all the guys in front of him. So he's going to see stuff from the outside probably more. It's going to be very hard to get to the front of that. And I think he doesn't have to be a superstar. Just make the saves you have to make and make that one save that maybe you shouldn't make, but make it anyway. Uh, don't let the soft goal in. And I think this year's team will be, uh, you know, again, the potential's there. Um, it's up to them to make it happen. I got uh, two things to add on that. One's a question, one's a statement. Uh, first question you talk about this goalie, you know, coming from Michigan State, they've kind of struggled a little bit um, the last couple of years, seeing a lot of shots. Uh, and then now, obviously, coming into a very good defensive core, do you think that's going to affect the goalie, uh, you know, how he plays? Um, I don't know. You just watch a lot of hockey. Have you seen a goalie that comes from a lot of action where he's seen a lot of pucks to, you know, 18, 20 shots a game? He might let a, a softer one in at times. You know, yeah, and that's a that is a great question, I guess, when you think of it. But, you know, I put it this way. You know, guys, teams and, and being old defensemen, you know, we played the game, guys. You know that. How much different you play when you have confidence in your goaltender. Yeah. You know, you play with a little more – Reckless abandon, not reckless is the right term for it, but you take a few more chances. You know, the guy's gonna be back there to make the save he has to make. Um, and so that confidence works both ways, I think, as well. He'll play confidently, knowing that hey, the guys in front of me are gonna do their job, not let those grade A opportunities come my way. So I just gotta focus on keeping my angles where I gotta be, you know, yeah. be sharp on my angles, be in the right spot, because I'm not gonna get those grade A's right in front very often because my guys are gonna keep the front of the net pretty clean. Um, and, and I think that's going to make a difference too. So I think they'll feed off each other, but also, uh, and I, the name is a Hilson. The, 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 is not a Swede. He's a European lad that was a freshman last year. Uh, they were saying he's really stepped up his game. I was talking to Tim Hennessy about that. He's really stepped up this year as well. So he may make an impact as well. So the director's not going to be handed that number one role right out of the gate either. I think it's a case of they goaltenders are going to have to, are going to have to earn it as as everyone else will as well yeah cool cool i like that uh obviously 
Um, we had plenty of that in our time with Zane and, and Cam. And oh, yeah. those guys, we had a pretty good run of goaltenders. Yep, you did. Not bad. I did want to ask Dunner, though. So kind of everyone knows the, the veterans coming in, but Dunner, do you know anything about these freshmen coming into this team and what they can add to the to the lineup? Great question. Strinden, um, you know, Strinden's one of those kids that, Makes as they're making steps. You know, he went to high school here in Fargo, went to the uh, uh, academy in Alexandria and worked his way up and into the USHL, had a really good, solid career. He's not a superstar, you know, the uh, goal, goal scorer. I, the best analogy I think I can, I can use, uh, Stefan Patton. You guys familiar with Stefan? He was our captain. He was your captain, baby. Uh, yeah. You know what? Great leader. Yes. Uh, uh, solid in the, in the, in the dressing room go to the wall for you, a guy you'd fight for because you just he's a great leader. I get a, I get that kind of a thought from Strinden. Ben Strinden is, I think, going to be one of those type of guys. Maybe not in his freshman year, but I think he's not going to be afraid to step up and be a leader as a freshman because sometimes that's going to happen. Um, so I think Ben's going to do real well. The, the two of the guys came from Sioux City that won the USHL championship last year. So they've got winning under their belt. I don't I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I've been McLaughlin or – yep. yeah. I've, yeah. That, you know, they're, they're goal scorers, uh, you know, they're, they're high draft picks, they're not high draft picks, they're draft picks in the National Hockey League. So they're not shabby hockey players. So they may step up. You know, I, I think the one that I think Constantini is going to be a, a big step up this year. He's a sophomore. Last year, he was kind of learning the ropes. He's kind of come back and put a few little bit of a few pounds on. Uh, I think he's going to step up into a new role. So you start seeing those sophomores now making the impact. And of course, Reese Gabriel. Let's face it; he's going to be a leader, yeah. well, you know, all the way across. Gavin Haynes is going to be healthy and 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 be able to to contribute for an entire season. But you guys all know this as well as anybody: that staying healthy is the biggest thing. If if this team can stay healthy and and keep all those guys in the ice, because how many times has it been where you get three or four guys injured? The next thing you know, you're scrambling to even even put 18 guys on the bench. Yeah, and and, and that's that's not a recipe for success. Uh, 2016, you guys stayed healthy. Yeah, right. And that's what it came that comes down to. Yeah, uh, you know that, and that's exactly right. And, and the same thing even back in our day. But you know, I asked that question last year. I forget who I asked this. Was I said, man, I see a lot of injuries. What's going on? I said, well, it's not always physical. In, not not that head trauma is not physical. Yeah, but concussions are are way more you know uh, recognized today than they were. Now, when I look back when I played, I can't ever say I had, I had a concussion. Being tall made a big difference, of course, but I, I don't. I remember seeing a couple guys get concussed, but I surely never saw it like it does, is today. But you know, face masks have changed that. You know, I didn't play with the face mask guys, so you kept your stick down. You didn't get the headshots you got today. And if you mouthed off at the big guy, he'd punch you in the face. Well, that hurt. So you didn't mouth. <laughs> so you didn't mouth off at anybody, right? How many? How many four foot two guys do you know that played college hockey? They were the toughest people on the ice. Because they had face masks. Yeah. What can you do to them? Yeah. Back in our day, you get you get your face punched and you'd shut up. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it did change the game quite a bit. So the head thing is part of it. But again, back to staying healthy, that's really the biggest part of it. But I, I will say this, though. The best hit I ever saw was uh, – there was two of them, actually. That, uh, Mick, Mickey Vulcan were playing – I think it might have been Ohio State. He hit a guy so hard that he knocked him out, but he hit his head on his shoulder pad and knocked him out as well. But Mike Stone from Roseville, Minnesota, we're playing the Golden Gophers in 78-79. Steve Kristoff comes across center ice, 
looking back for a pass. Oh. And somebody gave him a lovely sucker pass. And Stoney saw him coming. He was my my D partner. And I was step, I was coming back in behind him because I could say, okay, he's gonna go and kill Christoph. Christoph got the puck turned, bam. Oh. Right at center ice. He got up on one knee, looked two different directions, sat back down. He had no idea where he was. And oh. that was a, in a rink that was packed and it was gopher weekend. So you know that that place was rocking. Uh, 6,200 people, loud as loud could be. Uh, one of the best hits I ever saw. So, Dunner, I did want to uh, bring up what you're doing now. And obviously, you know, you had the hockey show around the rink with Travis Dunn on uh, 74 The Fan, 740 The Fan, sorry. Yep. And uh, you also had the game on. So, how do you, you know, is this something you went to college for and went to school to do? Um, you know, when you, you know, we always talk about when guys, you know, stop playing hockey. A lot of guys don't know what they want to do. Is this something, you know, you, you knew you kind of wanted to do? Cause obviously, you know, you're good at talking. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How I mean, you, you know, yeah. is that how you kind of got there? Or what, you know, it's interesting. Basically how it, how I end up, let's go back to 1982. I came back to Grand Forks to finish my degree off after my very short, lousy NHL career. I played a couple of games in Salt Lake city and, they optioned me down to the minor leagues and said, you know what? Thank you very much, but I'm done. You know, uh, you know, you, you guys all know, all know when it's time to walk away. And I knew it was time to walk away. So I went back to school. I coached at Grand Forks Central. And actually, Ole Olson, Steve Olson was on that team uh, that won the state championship that year. 82-83 uh, or 83-84. I think it may have been 83-84. But regardless, uh, uh, while I was there, WDAZ in Grand Forks, uh, Dale McKay was a, was a sports director, and they're going to start doing a few UND hockey games on Channel 8, uh, WDAZ. And uh, he talked to Jim Doglish, who was a UND booster at the time, and said, hey, well, Travis is back in town, and he can put a sentence together. Um, how about him? And I had no idea that, you know, like I said, I was doing coaching at Central. I'd never done any broadcast stuff before. <clears throat> then, voila, next thing you know, Dale leaves. Pat Sweeney says, hey, you still want to do it? So in 1983, I did my first UND hockey game. Had no no experience whatsoever. Um, I don't know if I made sense when I did it the first couple of games or not, but kind of grew into it a little bit. And I did that for 13, 14 years. And 1997 was the last time I did that. That is when I moved out of Grand Forks after my wife left TV in Grand Forks and moved to, we moved to Fargo, or pardon me, Moorhead. That's where I've been ever since. So that was kind of the initial part of it. Uh, but then a couple of years ago, uh, I, a couple of friends of mine at KFGO reached out and said, you know what, Bernie Burgraff's getting up there. Uh, we'd like you to step in, if you would, and help him do some of his shows. Because everything, in his case, he taped everything and they put their show together. It was Bernie Burgraff's uh, uh, face-off with Bernie Burgraff and Travis Dunn. So Bernie and I did some stuff together. And then Bernie, you know, he's in his mid-80s and passed away. And they said, hey, you want to carry this on? That's when Around the Rink was born. So five years ago, this will be the this weekend, October the first, will be the first Around the Rink on Seven Forty the Fan. There are podcasts on the Seven Forty the Fan website, and they can listen to all of them. So Dave Starman will be my first guest on Saturday morning, and Anthony Lapanta, and I'm working on the third guest. So uh, that's you know, it's something that I, I've kind of grown into. Uh, initially, you know, I, the way I approach it is nobody's listening. I'm just interviewing someone that I just want to learn something about. Yeah. And I've had people say that I listen well and I ask good questions. And that's what it's all about. I stay out of the way. Like right now, I'm in your guys' way completely because I'm rambling on. But 
if I'm the guy interviewing, I just ask that's the question. That's, 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 that's perfect. This it is makes awesome. good radio. Yeah. That's what it is. And so yeah. Dave Starman's phenomenal. Lapanta's phenomenal. You ask Lapanta a question and he fills 15 minute segment. That's, <laughs> that's a piece of cake. So that's 740 The Fan. That's on the Saturday morning. Last year was our first year of Game On, and, and Scott Taylor is a friend of mine in Winnipeg who covered the Winnipeg Jets for 35 years. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, worked for the Winnipeg Free Press, covered the Olympic Games, has been to 20 Olympic Games, knows everybody, has a great magazine called GameOn.ca, which is a really great publication. It's in the Winnipeg Arena and a lot of places around Winnipeg, and great articles about hockey players. That's what people like to read, and it's done very well. So I reached out to Scott through Twitter and said, hey, you know, be on my show. Got to know him well. And I said, hey, you want to take this on and, and do this? He said, yeah, but I like to do the show on Zoom. We'll put it up to YouTube Live. And then everything will be on YouTube. So we took that show on as well. And uh, so that's on Thursday nights, except home games now for UND Hockey, where I'll be doing it from the press box, from the Nillis Law Firm Studio press box, by the way. <laughs> I, I got to throw that sponsorship in. But uh, Nillis Law Firm is a sponsor, and uh, I'll be doing it up there pregame going in with Hennessy then at uh, at six at six thirty for the pregame for Friday night, um, and so it'll be some. Then I'll come back. I'll drive back after the game, do my Saturday morning show because I do everything live. Like you, you know, doing it live for me is way more enjoyable on Saturday morning, and also the other show it brings spontaneity. But also, I like being able to talk about what happened last night. Uh, the recording yeah. stuff and playing on radio is harder. You know what I mean. So I'd like doing it. It's going to be a little, little tiring because I'm staying up past nine o'clock at night. That's hard for me, but I'll be driving back from Grand Forks and then doing my show and then driving back up again. But, uh, and my regular full-time job, I'm a medical rep. So uh, I have been traveling quite a bit in my career, but I'm not traveling much now. I'm hoping to maybe not be doing that in the next six, eight months or so, but that'll be up to the company I work for currently. But uh, so I'm still working full-time doing that. Uh, the two radio shows and now, Tim Hennessy calls a month ago and goes, hey, Ole's retiring. Um, you want to try doing this? And, and, and one of the reasons he gave was I do really good interviews. And that gives him an opportunity to, to, do a, to get a break and, you know, get off and, and have a bite to eat, go to the bathroom yeah. and, and rejuvenate a little bit between periods. Because, you know, it's a, a three-hour or two-and-a-half, three hours of intense stuff for him from start to finish with pregame shows and postgame shows, having someone in between. And Ole didn't feel comfortable doing that. So – he reached out, and I didn't think at 65 years of age I'd get a job offer yeah. to do any more broadcasting stuff. So 97 was my last. But I did two years of FM Ice Sharks, by the way. I forgot that, too. I did play-by-play for a season, and that was fun. That was when Jeff Panzer and those guys played. Uh, yeah. Carl Gehring was a goaltender, and I did color one year for that and play-by-play and had fun doing that. So, you know, the bottom line is this. I, when, I remember when I was asked to do it the first time in 83, I asked him, because obviously Tim called our national championship games. He's been around for a while, hasn't he, guys? Uh, I said, you know, what do you think? How how should I approach this? He said, don't talk when the play-by-play guys talk. So, okay, I, I just, I'm not here to steal the thunder. If he's got a great goal-scoring call, I'm going to shut up and listen. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and Trevor asked me this question. What is the secret to being a good color commentator? What is the secret? Timing. To being a good college timing. Professor, the timing, there you go. Yeah, timing, that's, that's a joke, of course, but yeah, you know, you have to learn to shut up and 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 let the noise. You know, you guys have been on the ice when a goal scored. You don't have to say anything. People know what's going on, and I'm not going to, you know, fumble around words and try to take the moment. I, I don't need the spotlight, guys. 
I mean, I've done this. I don't need to be famous doing this. I'm going to enjoy doing it. I hope I can carry on the tradition that Ole Olson set. I hope I can do as good a job because I loved his perspective. I had him on my show on a regular basis. I loved his blunt attitude towards things. But he and I both agree on this. These are amateur hockey players. I will never criticize a player. I've been there. I know how hard it is. It's so easy for the press box or the stands to be a, a, an All-American, isn't it, guys? It looks so easy from up top. Oh, it's good Lord. Look at all that incredible. space. How yeah, when you're scratching, you're up in the press box, you're like, gosh, I mean, why did you, what was he thinking there? I exactly. You had all this space and all this time. time. Anything like that. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I'll never, I'll never criticize. They're amateurs. You know, that's the bottom line. I mean, I'll tell the truth if they're not playing well, as, or if it's a bad play, I'll, I'll make sure to be honest about it. But these are amateurs, and it's it's a great way to spend the winter watching, obviously, guys that are going to go on the National Hockey League, but not everyone will. Ozzy, you guys, Trevor, you know the same thing. Not everyone's going to make the National Hockey League. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's a great way to spend the winter. So I'm going to have a blast. It's going to be a good time. With And Tim's a legend. I mean, Tim called games when I played in the National Championship he's, game in 1979. Mean, Silver he, Fox, baby. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be in Vegas as well. I will be going to Vegas and because uh, KFGO is uh, the station that uh, we do game on. I do a lot of hockey stuff with those guys. And so I, get, I think I'm getting a free trip, but I'll have to work while I'm there. And, and Scott Taylor will be there. And I think I'll get to do the game from, from the big rink to T-Mobile, right? So that would be a blast with Tim in that venue watching him play Arizona heroes, State. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And Tim Hennessy will never die. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, but you know what? This, the thing is, it's crazy, and you guys know this too. It's he wasn't much older than we were when I played. You know, yeah. uh, I was well, what? I was twenty two when I I was I just turned twenty three when I when we won the national championship. Uh, and Tim is five years older than me. He's seventy. I'm sixty five. So he was twenty eight years old. Wow. So he wasn't that old back in those days. Uh, but he's seen it all. You know, and it's yeah. and the stories. You know. Uh, he should write a book. Verge Foss oh, yeah. did, as you guys know, because Verge yeah. is legendary. Uh, but yeah, he really should. Uh, you know, great quotes like, you know, Duncan saying, heck, I wasn't the best player in my line when I won the Hobie Baker Award with <laughs> Hobie Baker, you know, the best player. He was playing with with uh, TJ Oshie and, uh, and, and Jonathan Taves. So, yeah. you know, on and on it goes. So anyway, that's where we are today. So... So, Dunner, you mentioned, you know, your schedule nowadays, and, and it's it's packed full. Um, yeah. So I did want to, you know, are you all your kids are graduated now? They're out of the house kind of your Yeah, yeah, they are. Actually, my daughter just called today. She uh, lives in Denver. She moved to Denver after she was furloughed from an HR job here in Fargo. And so I'm getting away to where the weather's nicer. And frankly, yeah. I can't blame her. Yeah. Um, I, think I, I took classes with your son in uh, yep. at UND, so I got to know him a little bit. Is he yep. in the cities now? Still, he's or? in the cities. He he just bought a house. In, my daughter just bought a house in in Denver. My son just bought a house with his girlfriend. She's a nurse at the University of Minnesota, labor delivery nurse, and he's working for. Believe it or not, he's he's working in the business office of a dermatology clinic in Edina, where they probably use a lot of Botox. Just yeah. so you know, he's dying of all places. Yeah. But no, he's uh, yeah. he's he's doing really really well. And as you know, uh, cancer survivor, nine years out, and he's doing extremely yeah. well. So very very fortunate, very thankful. Uh, so they're both doing well. Both UND graduates. My oldest brother was a UND graduate. So there's been four of us have gone through those hallowed halls, and uh, uh, very fortunate that uh, UND has been very good to all of us. Yeah, I love that. And where I was getting to that was, you know, now obviously when you have kids, um, your life is hectic. It's busy. 
Yep. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't know, but I'm just talking from, you know, what I hear from you know, parents or friends or whatever. Trevor's getting married. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Trevor's about to get there, but I get it. You know, it's a busy life. Now, you know, the kids get out of town and, you know, you're probably sitting there like, oh, I can't wait to relax a little bit. You know, I got some time myself. And then all of a sudden, bam, you've got all these yeah. commitments and you're almost just as busy as you were before. You know, do you think that's because yes. you're like, you know what? I mean, did you get bored and you were like, you know what? I got to keep doing some things. You know, because... it's not a case of that. You know, through COVID, I didn't travel for my job because a hospital rep, they didn't want us in the hospitals, which is actually great. I used to spend 70 nights a year in hotels, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, some Nebraska, some Iowa, Minnesota. I didn't want to go back. I don't want to go back to that lifestyle. It's very hard on you physically, more so than you realize. Not that I had any major health issues, but little things came up. So the last two years, I walked every day. I'm down to 225 pounds. I'm 6'3", was 230, 235, a little, little pudgy. So I took care of that. Um, I'm taking care of myself, uh, you know, and, and so that part of it, as far as being bored is concerned, you know, things just kind of fell in my lap. I wasn't looking for the radio gig. It came along. Um, I hope what, what my ultimate goal would be, guys, would be this. I hope there's someone out there that is one of our alumni guys or whatever that goes, hey, you know, I like to find that guy to help train in to take my spot. I, you know, yeah. Tim's going to need a color guy. I'm not going to do this forever because, you know what, I want to go to Denver and spend time with my daughter, yeah. especially in January, February, and March. Uh, because it's warmer down there, as you guys know. Minneapolis, I'll see, you know, we have a lake place not too far from Fargo near Detroit Lake, so we spend our summers, quite a bit of our summertime there. But I'd like to get someone else to, to take in, because I don't want to do this forever. Uh, it's nice, it's a great part-time gig going into retirement, because it's become kind of lucrative. Uh, and right now with the stock market where it's at, I'm not rich, I don't want to tap any retirement money, that's for sure, because it's yeah. not, you know, it's going, going the wrong direction. But that being said, it will come back. But at the same time, it's uh, it's a case of, you know what? Uh, I've been very fortunate. People have been very kind to me. Uh, and UND, again, it's all connected to UND and the brotherhood that we've all got. And the experiences I've been afforded, priceless, because I've been able to have so much fun, meet some great people and be on podcasts. And people, you know, again, our 40th reunion. And someday when you guys have your 40th reunion, you'll be hanging around the old Ralph and people are saying they'll be looking at you in, in awe, which is very humbling. Uh, when you see people go to tears yeah. almost because they see you and you show them your national championship ring. And you remember me, I walked in your dressing room and you guys didn't listen. I said, get rings that you could wear. Not that you guys got those. Tins, you didn't those... say that. You didn't I say did. that. I remember that. And we're all like, who is this idiot? We're, we're, getting the best, we're getting the biggest one we can find. Meanwhile, I can wear this bad boy. Where's my camera? I got to find out where my camera is. I can wear that bad boy. There you go. Yeah, and I got the I got the logo. I got the logo. I got the fighting Sioux. I got the fighting Sioux logo on there. Yeah, I'll probably get a few a few offers for that. That's worth a hundred thousand dollars if anybody wants. Everything's for sale, right, guys? But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can wear that ring, and I and people, I took I took it off. It's funny. We're in the bar at the at the end of the rink, second period, wherever it was, and I took it off and I handed it to a couple of students and said, "Here, take pictures." I got it back half an hour later. People were handing it around and they were taking pictures with the ring on. It's it's humbling when it means as much to them today as it did, you know, as it meant to us back in our day, you know. For sure. And it, it's something that's that's a piece of history and they and they revel in it and it's so fun to share it. And you guys have had that opportunity and it's very humbling. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. it, to be and again, we get to do things that not many people get to do. You know, 
how many years of UND hockey? There have been 70, 80 years of hockey times 20, 25 players. What, maybe 1,800 of us? Yeah. I mean, we're we're a pretty small group. And then eight, eight of those teams, 160, 165 people have won national championships. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing and to be part of that. And to say that, hey, Ed Belfour, hey, he has the same ring I've got. Not bad. Yeah. Hockey yeah. Hall of yeah, Fame or Gage cool. Osmond. Yeah. And you <laughs> were mentioning, you know, the UND's a, a close place. And, um, you know, the reason yeah. I know you, where I met you actually, was Brainerd at a UND alumni golf event. Yes, sir. Um, Remember so it well. Think, yeah. And those are just the things, you know, like we go there and there's there's players that, you know, I didn't even know played at UND and you get close, you get close to each other. And it's just that family feeling you're, you know, yeah. you, you don't even have to know the guy and you're already one of his brothers almost. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. And I think that's what's cool about college hockey. And I think, you know, not that all schools do it. I think some do, some do a good job at it, but. Yeah, I was always surprised. I was always surprised that. Sorry to interrupt you there, but you know, I I, I talked to some guys who are former golfers or former or golfer alumni, and it's like they their alumni group is not very strong. They don't see they don't. Yeah. And in Minneapolis is not a very big city. I mean, it's a big city, but they're right there. Most of yeah. our guys. I mean, your teammates are Vancouver. I've got guys yeah. in Prince Edward. I got two guys in Halifax, Phoenix, uh, you know, Vancouver. Uh, all over the place. We never, we rarely see each other. Minneapolis, you think, well, that'd be a tight group, but they're not. They don't do the alumni stuff the way we did. And, and I think a lot of it engage, you know, Trevor, you'll, you'll probably agree. Whenever we played the Gophers, <laughs> we hated their guts. Let's yeah. face it, we hated them. They were cocky. They were from Edina. They were from, you know, places there. There were snooty kids, right? We were, many of us were lunch pail guys. Right. I mean, we had the scrap for everything we earned. 100%. We worked our ass off to get there and we got there. So we had a different mentality. And I think that creates a better brotherhood than guys that were, again, those top notch guys that they're, they're competing for the top notch stuff. But, hey, that guy got there, but I didn't. But I'm jealous of that. So there's very yeah. little jealousy. There's very little jealousy. And, and I say this and I, and I say this with the with the, the I'm humble in my statement. I was the 20th best player on a national championship <laughs> hockey team. I do. I never scored a goal in my two years. You guys know that. I never scored a goal in my two years there because anybody can score one. It takes a certain talent to not score at all. And yeah. I still get, and I get crap about that to this day from people. I have no idea who they are. They say, oh, yep. I, that's cool. Uh, you know, I have no ego in that regard because, Hey, we won a national championship and what it takes to win a national championship is the lunch pail guys and the superstars. And I'm so proud to be a lunch pail guy that carried the weight and was there when needed and blocked shots and did the simple stuff. I didn't need the accolades, but I got dragged into the accolades because of the superstars. And you win as a team and you lose as a team. And that's, I think, where we all came from. I and mean, I think that's what differentiates us maybe a bit from some of the other programs around the country. No, and I would I would agree for sure. And I think it's a little bit, you know, a big portion of it is is living in Grand Forks. You know, there's a lot of people – Yep. that you know aren't from grand forks and they visit north dakota and they're like oh, gosh like you know they have they have a great rink and a great program but you know i can't see myself living in this small town in grand forks and really in grand forks you know there's nothing else around i mean you're mm -hmm. you're at the rink you're at home and it's cold and it's miserable a little bit but there's something about that town you know that you know if you got all these guys these hockey players you know, agreeing to come because it's college, you know, it's not pro. You don't get drafted there. 
you choose to go there. So mm-hmm. you got all these guys choosing to go to a, a town like Grand Forks, and then you're kind of stuck there versus you're you're in Minneapolis or you're in Denver. It's it's just a little different, you know. You're you're in that small town and you don't have that, you know, big city mentality. You have that small town mentality playing on this big program. And I think that has a lot to do with the alumni and the family that we create after because, you know, it's like the Minnesota guys, it's like they look at the younger guys and they're like, oh, wow, you, you made it four years in Minneapolis? Wow, that was tough. Yeah, There's not many distractions in Grand Forks, are there? And, and, and yes, you go to North part. Dakota and you're like, well, you know, Gino would say we'd go to Colorado Springs and we stayed at a place called the Beatty House. It was where the figure skaters would train. They lived there and then they go and train at the old Broadmoor World Arena, which, by the way, was a dump. Um, yeah. Shoot the puck around the boards out to the Zamboni door. It was awful. But you had a chef there. And Gino said, you know what? Be careful. You can eat yourself out of the league. If you want to. And he said, he said, really, if you want to go someplace and play college hockey, great. Like Colorado Springs is fantastic. I mean, good. Who, who wouldn't want to live in Colorado Springs? But he said, if you want to win national championships, you go to UND. And yeah. that's what we all went there for. We went there to win. Not to say going to CC and they can't be winning programs. They, I mean, I'm glad to see they're making a, they're coming back new rinks and things are on the up and up all the way across the board. And that's fantastic. But you still go to UND. The odds of winning a national championship there are significantly higher than any other places in the country. Uh, so, again, back to the lunch pail mentality, back to we're not living in an exotic place. You're in the winters together. You're probably shoveling cars out a few times during the course of your career at UND pushing cars out of snow banks and just trying to survive. But, you know, you don't go there for anything more than go to school and play hockey. That just, that just builds character. Darn straight. Is, you know? Yeah, darn right, man. I tell you and what, nothing walking across campus, right? Yeah, and even when you go to a party after a Saturday night sweep and yep. you got to get back to your house after the end of the party and you got to walk through, you know, negative 10-degree weather to get home. That's the just only thing, all I, only thing I'm really, The only thing I'm really jealous about you guys is that you got to go on charter flights after games. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we had we had one charter flight that was back from Providence, Rhode Island. I shouldn't say we had two. We flew to Michigan Tech in a DC-3, had to load it ourselves. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a quite a, you know, it was, that was sure beat going by bus, believe you me. It was a short trip. But Dunner, you'll, Dunner, you'll never believe this, but we actually do complain about the chartered flights a little bit on this podcast. Really? Just because, you know, it's human nature to complain about anything. And we're like, you know what, you know, these other teams, <laughs> they flew commercial and they got to stay overnight. And we never got to stay overnight in a college, you know, and we never yeah, got that's, that That is true. We swept you know, the we Gophers. fly home right after. <laughs> we swept the Gophers in Minneapolis my senior year. And, you know, the rule basically at that point, guys, right? There are yeah. no rules if you sweep. Yeah. And it was, no, no. you know, Kitty Bar the door party-wise. The, ho- the hotel was absolutely freaking insane. Um, and Gino was nowhere to be seen. So, yes, you, you, we did have those opportunities. But being able to fly direct and get home, oh, my gosh, compared to we used to fly the re- you know out early in the morning. We flew commercial. But that was back when airplanes were big. There was a flight, a Frontier flight we took to Denver. No. Yeah. It, it was actually, yeah, it was uh, Grand Forks to Fargo, Fargo to Rapid City, Rapid City to denver that was the flight oh no yeah, frontier back in the day that's almost yeah. worse than busing i'd rather just stay on the bus 75 mile flight getting on another one and getting off and getting on a another 75 one. but we didn't get off the plane we didn't have to we just stayed on the oh, same no. airplane all the way to denver oh, no. they, 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 a 75 mile flight that took what eight minutes 
you know, that was, the, but that was, there used to be a Grand Forks to Winnipeg flight. It was be Minneapolis to Grand Forks, Grand Forks to Minneapolis, or Grand Forks, pardon me, to, to uh, Winnipeg. So yeah, that was back when there was a lot of different airplanes. They're all big. You could carry the skate sharpeners. And obviously that's the issue. There's just, they don't fly big airplanes in the Grand Forks anymore. So we, uh, the only charter we ever had, it was a DC-3. And of course, to Providence, Rhode Island for the national championship in 1980, uh, we flew back right away, got back at five o'clock in the morning and uh, kind of started partying from there. You have to. Well, Dunner, are you, uh, so obviously you're, you're born in Canada. Do you have, yep, you know, are you, dual, are you a dual citizen? And do you, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I was going to get my citizenship this year. My green card was was getting ready to expire and I need to do it. I, I really do. Um, one, I need to vote. One, two, uh, just for estate planning purposes, they kind of rape and pillage. If, if my wife was to pass away and first and I would pass away second, they take a lot of my money. So I don't want that because I want to, I want to, you know, save as much as I can for my kids. But um, sure. my green card was about to expire. So I started the process of of uh, citizenship. Then I got a letter back saying it'd be 17 to 18 months. Well, my green card was going to expire before then, which means I couldn't go across the border into Canada to see my family. I still have brothers in Winnipeg and nieces and nephews up there. So I got my green card re-upped and I stopped the process for the citizenship because it cost about a thousand bucks. So that I'll pay that. I'll do that later because it turns out my kids bought houses and Somehow I'm helping them buy them. So I'm like, okay, uh, I <laughs> guess I, that works. I don't have any money left to buy to do the citizenship <laughs> right now, but I, I will do the citizenship thing here. Hopefully in the next, you know, the next cycle, probably this fall, I'll probably start that process again. So you have so to, is I, there an expiration? There's an expiration date on those green cards then when you get them? Yeah, it's, it's uh, like, a, they're, they're 10 years typically. And um, um, so I've, you just have to reapply. It took two weeks to get my, my new green card. I was really surprised I got it back so quickly. Um, uh, as far as the citizenship thing is concerned, it's easier now because of my age, I don't have to do the test because I've been here for so long. I don't have to know how many stars and stripes and the prime minister of the United States, isn't it? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, prime yeah. minister Biden. Yeah, there you go. Prime minister Biden. That's what I thought. Yeah. See, and there's a premier, the premier of North Dakota. So that's a little history of Canada, by the way. That's a premier of Manitoba. The prime minister is Canadian. Just for those out there who don't know that. But see, I took I took American history in high school, so I know a lot about the. I know all the. I I could have passed the test. It, it's funny because I asked the guy like, at the board. They never used to give me much crap. And one time, a guy asked me, said, "So you're going to get your citizenship?" And I looked at him and said, "Yeah, I can't pass the test." He actually laughed. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So uh, yeah. then he put the rubber then he put the rubber glove on and said, "Come on in with me, young man." <laughs> uh, but uh, at that point, I kind of chuckled and he walked away. But at the same time, it was yeah, I should do it. Um, you know, people died for the right to vote. And that, whether it be Canadian or American, a lot of lives, a lot of blood was spilled for that. So that it should be something I should uh, should achieve and should should follow sure. through on. It's very important. So are you still are you still on the metric system? Or are you over to, you know, American? <laughs> yeah, I drive 100. Every time I see the 100 kilometer an hour sign, I go 100 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. when, I get, when, I, when I head up to Winnipeg. And, that uh, is tough. You know, they, they actually, believe it or not, guys, they said they did pick people up going 100 miles an hour up there because they didn't know what kilometers were back in the day. But you know what? The crazy thing is this. You know, you you have a 35-millimeter camera, right? You buy yeah. a two-liter pop. You buy... It, That's it what really I'm saying. I mean, how hard. arrogant How arrogant is America as a country <laughs> to be the only country in the world to be using this wild mile, feet, inches system when everyone else right. is using the metric system? It it's, makes it's sense crazy. that when it's zero, when it's zero, 
it freezes. Not it's 32 degrees. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, you know, I, I little, and if you guys were in, well, you Grand Force, you listen to Winnipeg Radio. You know, they say today it's plus 32 outside. I know it's 95 degrees. It's freaking hot. That you know, yeah. you, it just becomes inherent in you. You get used to it, uh, and it really is easy. It's not that hard, and we already are living most of it anyway. So, anyway, that's our that's our uh, diatribe on that on that subject. But uh, all I know is that the, this the net is still not big enough for me to score a goal. <laughs> yeah, Whether it's centimeters or inches, it doesn't matter. That'll never still change for work. me either. Goals <laughs> a little different, but uh, for me, that net will yeah. be smaller than the size of a puck for me. Uh, exactly right. But hey, you know what? That's that's okay. <laughs> that's the way it works. But uh, yeah, anyways. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's gonna be an exciting season. UND's the table is set very nicely, and Brad understands that. Um, I think he's you know it's like everything else. Cautious optimism. It's early. You know, see how the team gels as a group. And, uh, you know, again, you guys know it. It takes a little bit of time for that to happen with new personalities on board. And and it's going to be an interesting year. And I get to be part of it. I'm thrilled to be able to hang out with Mr. Hennessy. And I'm thrilled to get to hang out with you guys on a podcast. And uh, uh, this, is, this is awesome. And uh, anybody who wants to call and offer me 100000 or more for the jersey or the championship stuff, I might listen. <laughs> There's a price for everyone. <laughs> Everything's for sale. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this has been awesome um, this whole time, Denner. Thank you so much for making the time oh, for us. And uh, anytime, you know, you're probably a guy we'd like to have on again as a recurring guest, just to talk over the season because you'll probably sure. have some valuable insight. But yeah. uh, thanks when, again for when, coming on. I really appreciate it. I was, I was just going to say when uh, when Gager and I come up for a game, we'll come sit up next to you and uh, Timmy. You you guys come up, and I get to interview you between periods. Deal. Because yeah. that's going to be one of my responsibilities. So great guests. You tell the guys, any of the guys are up there, give them my number. You got my number, guys. Call, tell them to get in touch. I'm Ian Grand Force. Up the press box. We'll have them on. Uh, that's what uh, what I'm going to be trying to do between periods. Fill fill time wisely and uh, and also help you guys out with some good some good guys. You got to get suds with luds or Lud, yeah suds with luds. You got Doug Smale. I, hey, you want Eddie Belfour? I can get you Eddie Belfort, and he's a great interview. Eddie is yeah, very give good. Me, give us some numbers. You yeah. got it. And, he, you know, if you're really nice to him, he'll autograph a Belfort Spirits for you on top. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Got, you got that right. Hey, guys, it's been just fantastic. I appreciate it. Thanks for remembering an old fart, and I'll be happy to come on anytime. And you know what? It'd be awful great to tip uh, number nine. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be. That's yeah, what we're all hoping for. Um, and all and, and for all the other listeners who aren't Nodak fans, hopefully you guys don't get your own national championship. We won a ninth, so <laughs> sorry. Right. We waited long enough. It's been it's been too long. Seven years is a long time to wait. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.